and welcome to Tremendous Tales with me, Liz Pichon. I write and draw all the Tom Gates books and other books like Shoe Wars. This is the podcast where I ask my fabulous guests to tell us a tremendous tale and share a tremendous fail, because we all make mistakes and sometimes we learn more from our mistakes than when things go well. And very importantly, we get to find out what their snack of choice is. Room for a treat today. I'll also be asking the listener to join in and play our top game. What's that sound? And if that's not enough, there'll be excellent tips on drawing too. My wonderful guest is illustrator and author Lucy Farfort. Based in Newcastle, Lucy says, as a person of dual heritage, Caribbean English, who grew up in a small town in the 80s, I never saw people like me in books I read as a child. Knowing the impact that this can have has made me passionate advocate for diversity and inclusivity in children's publishing and visual media. Lucy's illustrations are created by using a mix of traditional digital media, generally watercolour paintings, enhanced with Photoshop brushes and found textures. One of her proudest moments as an illustrator was being awarded first prize for illustration in Faber Children's inaugural Fab Prize Competition 2017. The judges described her work as a sumptuous reimagining of familiar traditional fairy tales. Lucy, hello, and thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. So what was it like winning the Fab prize. Oh hi Liz, thank you for having me. <laughs> it was amazing, yeah. Caught me completely off guard because it was the first one of the first competitions I'd ever really entered. I obviously hoped you always hope with these things that you might place somewhere, but I certainly didn't expect to win. Um and when I, I got a call, I think I was away and I got a call from uh, Leah Saxton, the publisher. Oh, yeah. And she left a message on my phone saying ring me back because I was I was off somewhere. Um, and I was thinking, oh, I wonder what this well, might it's be. Funny, isn't it? When you get a so phone call, you always think you always oh. think the worst, don't you? When you get a phone call, I was yeah. Well, I was just thinking, surely it can't be, <laughs> it can't be this. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when she said I'd actually won a for an illus- first prize in illustration for the uh, award, I just I was absolutely over the moon. So yeah. It's definitely, I think, my one of my greatest achievements today. <laughs> so you want it for illustration and for not for a particular book, but actually your illustration style. That's the prize that they have. Just, yeah, illustration generally. So yeah, it wasn't at, the, at that point. I wasn't published, oh, so I didn't okay. have a book out. So it was more the portfolio pieces that I'd submitted for it. Amazing. So yeah, it was amazing. Have a round of applause. <laughs> oh, hang on. Pat myself on yeah. the back. So as a child then, were you always interested in drawing and how did you get started? Do you always remember drawing? Oh yeah, it was a big part of my life. I Just yeah, from the moment of picking up a pencil, it was just a thing I just wanted to do all the time. I did it in my spare time as much as possible. Um, and it was just one of my favourite pastimes really. I just loved creating it's just amazing to be able to create create worlds on a piece of paper um, out of nothing, just from your imagination. Uh, and I, I, I just loved it. And I knew, I think, from a really early age that I wanted to do drawing somewhere for like something for a job. I wasn't quite sure what, but I knew I wanted to do it. For yeah, lots of us don't quite know what or how or th- or who. So, did you have like cre- were there creative people in your family at all? Or- yeah, a, a few. Yeah, so my uh, granddad was a he painted a lot. Oh. Um, I, don't, I don't think he was he did he did it for fun essentially it wasn't professional but he did there were a lot of paintings of his around in the house um and I have um a cousin who was a poet wow. as well or an uncle I think actually uh, as a poet and also my cousin is a photographer so yeah so I think creativity definitely runs in the family my sister is also a, like a writer like makes fil- a filmmaker as well so 
creativity definitely runs runs in the blood I think that's really interesting to hear that you've actually got creative people in your family did you have like a favorite favorite book at all when you were younger did you like comics or anything like that yeah I mean I like comics that's kind of what got me into doing this in the first place really um because I was really into manga and anime and I love comics and I used to sort of create comics that was where I sort of started really growing up I suppose books I didn't yeah I I love picture books but I didn't have any obviously I grew up in the 80s and there wasn't really any picture books around with characters who looked like me so mostly I liked books that centered around animals like Winnie the Pooh I love Winnie (laughs) the Pooh and Brambley Hedge and things like that but then after that when I was in my teens it was it was comics manga really really into a manga obsessively did you used to copy them and like trace them and <laughs> oh yeah. yeah all all the time I just every waking minute I like I used to have like school folders and things just covered in like manga characters I used to like design t-shirts with like hand painted with acrylics like manga characters on oh. um, t-shirts and yeah I, re- I was really really into it I was an otaku they called it an otaku which is like a a Japanese, like, that's basically like a super fan, like a manga anime <laughs> super fan, so that's why I was. <laughs> Isn't it interesting though, because that's something that, that I always try and encourage children to do as well, like, it's not only that you're writing your own stories or creating your own comics or anything, but actually putting those designs onto different things as well, like you were doing the t-shirts as, and, you know, maybe yeah. showing that process of how you think of an idea, you do a sketch, and then maybe you might put it on a t-shirt and create something else. I love seeing what yeah. children do like that it's really interesting isn't it and it's interesting that you were doing it as a kid yeah it's so rewarding as well just to be able to do that you don't need lots of materials do you, you only need a few things and you can just create something and then your friends would look at physical. it and go like oh yeah wow. yeah yeah <laughs> I like that bit a lot <laughs> and being as a, a very unacademic child it was always my sort of place of safety and it, it gave you a little bit of you know yeah. the other kids were going like, oh you know I was rubbish at maths and English and stuff but actually being good at drawing was it the same for you yeah I was terrible at maths terrible I was quite good okay yeah pretty good at English I think but maths I was just maths and science is awful really awful I used to enjoy them I didn't mind science and stuff but I just wasn't very good at it that's all I didn't have the memory I couldn't remember I couldn't remember stuff in there so actually having that being able to be good at drawing it made you feel like you know there was something yeah There's something, you know, another, <laughs> something to fall back on. Another thing that I've discovered from talking to lots of different creative people is how we're all obsessed with snacks and food. We could talk for ages about it, and which brings me very nicely to your snack of choice, Lucy. Snack chat. So I'm imagining you, Lucy, under a lot of pressure on your deadline, and then you're reaching over for your snack, which is, would you like to tell us? Well, I just love anything savoury, basically. Savoury snacks is definitely my go-to, but um, I've chosen wasabi peas because I really love them. But I couldn't actually get hold of any wasabi peas today because there seems to be like a national shortage or something. They've fallen out of fashion, I think. But I did get um, some chilli, sweet chilli graze crunch, which has like chilli peas in and also chilli broad beans. And one of the best things is it's like, I'm sure it's like one of your five a day because it's got like peas and stuff in. So surely it's healthy as well. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know, funnily enough, we managed to get some. So I've got some wasabi peas here and we might have to explain to our listener what they are. And they give you a little bit of a kick, don't they? Oh, yeah. Uh That's the best bit about it. (laughs) No, I'm crunching them now. Yeah, I love them. I might go for a broad bean. I can see how actually when you start, (laughs) I mean, I'm quite fond of a savoury snack. So mm, if anyone, I'm all about savoury mm, food. It's almost like you, you're not quite sure. There's a bit of, um, I was going to say danger, but it's not really danger. But it's a, there's a bit of sort of <laughs> bit of a thrill. You never quite know how wasabi 
it's yeah. going to be and how hot yeah, and whether it's going to be your yeah. eyes water or not <laughs> yeah that, that's the best bit I think it's a bit like I don't know it's like you have one and like sometimes it just like blows the top of your head off and it's a real a real kick really wakes you up <laughs> no I'm assuming that's not the kind of snack you would have eaten as a kid no I don't, I don't think my son was <laughs> around in like the 80s <laughs> But I did a little go- looking on Google, as you do, and interestingly, the top questions that people ask about wasabi peas are, is eating wasabi peas good for you? I think mm, that... I think yeah, so. Yeah, I'd say yes. <laughs> what is a wasabi pea? Well, it is... Are peas, aren't they, just coated in like a sort of wasabi... I guess in they're like roasted or... Yeah, so... Air fried or something. So a wasabi pea... And then sort of covered in, yeah, yeah. hot hot stuff. It, they are green peas, <laughs> basically they're kind of like dried green peas aren't they and it's covered with yeah, wasabi so. so what is um, what do wasabi peas taste like a savory but also very hot so it's sort of like mustardy because wasabi is like isn't it like japanese horseradish that's isn't right it, yeah um, and, it, and one of the questions though is what happens if you eat too many wasabi peas uh-uh. <laughs> well <laughs> Who knows? Your head might explode. Possibly, I don't know. <laughs> and how many wasabi peas can you eat? I like these are all questions that people type into Google. <laughs> <laughs> Lots is the answer to that. <laughs> In my case, anyway. So what, you're right. Wasabi is a Japanese horseradish. It's a plant family of the brassica, which also includes horseradish and mustard. And the paste yeah. made from its ground root rhizomes. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Okay. That's the fat bit of the root. Is used as a pundit condiment for sushi and other foods so i think we can successfully say that wasabi peas are yeah are one of your five a day and pretty good for you (laughs) exactly it's a snack that's good for you so what's not exactly brilliant we haven't had we haven't had that before and i'm holding up that i've got got the belgian bun from yesterday with nick (laughs) you could probably you could eat more wasabi peas than you could belgian buns i think yeah You might want to eat that quickly or it might go a bit stale. (laughs) It was already stale, but it didn't stop me from eating it. (laughs) Sadly. So thank you so much for sharing your snack of choice. Lucy, I'm lucky enough to meet lots of creative people and they always have good stories to tell. So I would love it if you could share with us some kind of tremendous tale. So Lucy, would you like to tell us about a tremendous tale? Yes. So I thought I would share with you a story from when I was in secondary school. Um, it was around the time when I was doing GCSEs uh, and I was do- doing GCSE art, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I decided to do a project about AI and robotics. I was really into, I was really into manga and anime at this time. And I was really into, interested in like mech anime, which is all about ro- robots, essentially. Um, and I was reading a lot of Isaac Asimov and I was really into Blade Runner and things and a lot of science fiction. Wow. So I contacted a professor from a university who is called uh, Kevin, uh, Professor Kevin Warwick, and he was at Reading University at the time. And I went to meet him, and he's like, he's like an AI professor into uh, he studies robotics. I went, and he showed me all the robots he'd been like creating wow. and was involved in developing. I got to see a Dalek, which was really cool. Well, like one that actually worked. Yeah, well, like the thing moved oh, up right, and down. Okay. I don't That's know what enough. the thing is, you know, the, <laughs> <laughs> the proboscis type thing on the front of it moved up and down. Um, but also, the really cool thing was he he, he was known he's known as uh, Captain Cyborg because he was he he was one of the first people to implant uh, like. Like a, a microchip in his arm. Wow. That could control. This is in 1998, so it was quite like, yeah, revolutionary at the time. And so he could control like opening the doors and turning on the lights. So it was, it was really cool. 
<laughs> so yeah, that was definitely one a really, very memorable moment, and I've got a photograph of him with my mum. Wow, I'm in some of the robots. Oh, isn't so, it great yeah. that actually you just wrote to him and just expressed an interest, and yeah. and then he invited you yeah. up there. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I I told him like you know the, about the project and I was was doing like illustrations around robots and. I see all the stuff I was into and could I come and have a look basically and yeah he, yeah it was really good I had like a whole wow. day there and he showed me around and how old were you brilliant. you said you were at school um you... so yeah I think I was 14 around 14 wow. 15 that's amazing did you take oh, yeah. um that's oh, so so he actually had something he'd implanted <laughs> what he had he done it himself yes. or I don't I don't know I can't remember I'm, I'm assuming he'd not done it <laughs> well you never know <laughs> I don't know, but it was pretty revolutionary. I mean, yeah, this was like the ni- like late nineties, so it's quite yeah, yeah high tech for then. And I'm not sure how like well it actually works, but I know it was like a trial thing. So he didn't demonstrate it by sort of waving his arm across a, you know, a door. I can't remember. Um, yeah, I'm not sure he did at the time. I, I think it only like just been done, so I'm not sure like how whether it, how well it worked. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I did get to see a lot of robots, and that yeah, it was. I mean, it was just really good, really interesting. And like, and did yeah. you go away and get more ideas and put them in comics and get a story or something? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I was writing so many comics back then. I had like stacks and stacks of them. Like, sadly, it's all been thrown <gasps> out now because it got no! thrown out. I know it got thrown out. I'm absolutely gutted because I remember some of them, and a lot of it wasn't quite dystopian and stuff. Because I was reading all these like quite dystopian like AI science fiction yeah. thrillers and things. I thought some of it was actually pretty good, but yeah, it's, it's quite, it got thrown out. Are these the ones that you created that got thrown out, or just the ones that you were reading? Both, <gasps> both to be honest. But I, that feels I like a tremendous fail. I've there. still got. <laughs> Yeah, well, actually, that is kind of going to come up in the tremendous fail. But um, I mean, I've still got some of the comics that I bought from comic shops and that they were published, but my own stuff that I actually drew and wrote is long. I know, it's hard though, isn't it? It's really tough, especially. I don't know if you've got any brothers or sisters, but I'm the youngest of four. And kind of like by the time I came around, like not much stuff was kept. Like my mum and dad, didn't, you know, yeah. they'd had enough of storing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The storage space is yeah. limited, isn't it? Because it's all on paper as well, you know. It's, I mean, I was drawing all the time, so it's just stacks and stacks of it. So I think they just got sick of it. I mean, I've got an older sister and she was like, say, she's quite creative as well. So you know, just had enough and just ch- chucks it out. <laughs> Fair enough, I suppose. I should have taken it, it with It's really funny though how... It's the things that you create, the actual physical things like the books. And there's so much stuff that we keep on phones and digitally. And and you just think, you know, like yeah. letters and the, all those things are really important. I know with our kids, we've got three kids and they love looking through uh, old photo albums. And oh, we've got yeah. so many photographs now, it just says but so we don't much, put them in it? albums. We don't print them out. And, you know, I'm just thinking actually occasionally I'll do a sort of a, I'll try and remember to sort of print the out print the pictures out yeah those are the things that you really value and you really look back on so definitely because I think the the physicality of it (laughs) no no I can't believe it I'm absolutely gutted that I did that I know but having said that probably a lot of the ideas that you had and some of the the actual process of doing it has has not gone to waste obviously you've stored it up and you've used some of those memories to actually carry on and do more illustration yeah definitely and I yeah, and I don't really throw out my like stuff so much now, like sketches and things. I tend to keep most of it, well, as much as I can. Uh, I think I've I've learned from my mistakes now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was definitely a tremendous tale, and I absolutely love the fact that somebody took the trouble to write back to you, invite you in, have a look yeah. around, like because you, you, yeah, <laughs> amazing. Like you just you never you never ever forget those things, do you? No, 
No, it's really stayed with me. It was a really, yeah, it was a really good thing to do. Brilliant. Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing your tremendous tale, which it absolutely was. Um, and now we come on to the section, Lucy. We are trying to engage our listener with a hopefully award-winning game that we're calling "What's That Sound." That's not actually the sound, by the way. <laughs> it's an orchestra. <laughs> a, a brass band. And the sounds, I have to warn you, Lucy, have bear absolutely no relevance whatsoever to anything that we've been talking about. But we're probably going to give you, a, a, I think Mark's got a little clue to give us with this one because it is a bit random. So let's have a listen. Mm. It actually sounds quite space agey, doesn't That's, it? It's quite space. Spooky. Do you want to play it again? Quite scary. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. That is Do you want to give spooky. us a clue? It's quite a Halloween suitable. It's not that scary. Oh, well, that's not really a clue, is it? Okay. <laughs> like a bit more of a clue. It's very slow. Very slow. Okay. Okay, so I do have a theory. Is it like slowed down, like someone like sucking through a straw or something? Like a Let's have another a listen. Straw, but really slowed down? No, apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really strange. So you're saying it's something slow? <laughs> um, is it, is... it sounds like a sort of breathing related thing, is it? It is. <laughs> It's an animal breathing. It's an animal breathing, but it's... But it's not slow. Oh, it's an animal Okay, breathing. so it's a slow animal breathing. Let's have another listen. So we're getting closer. It's a slow animal breathing. Ooh. Is it a tortoise? Is it a tortoise? Because it's a slow animal. Is it? Oh, my God! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I don't know how I got that. <laughs> It might be a tortoise, but that pretty Ooh. much sounds like what I sound like after, a, after I've walked up a very <laughs> steep hill. Let's have another listen. So it's a tortoise moving, is it, and breathing very slowly. <gasps> wow. It really sounds tortoise. like, so is it just like a normal tortoise then? leopard tortoise. Oh, a le- what's the difference ah. then? Is, is, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> I told you we hadn't done an awful lot of research into this. We were just picking picking out noises that we thought sounded. So it's a leopard tortoise dragging itself along and breathing. You kind of think if it's called a leopard tortoise, it's because it's got like a spotty... It, it's top speed. Do you know that's maximum speed? Yeah. One kilometre an hour. Oh, bless. That sounds... Yeah, I was going to say, that's like me on a park run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah, so I can see now, like Mark's holding up a picture. Oh, a I like tortoises. Well, I can see why I'd be making that noise because it's quite a hefty shell, isn't it? Yeah. That's a pretty spectacular yes. shell there. So, I, I definitely wouldn't have got that without a clue. <laughs> <laughs> but well done. I don't think actually many people have got it right. So well done, Lucy. You, you, you Thank know, you. Was, <laughs> yeah, it's very impressive. <laughs> it did actually sound a bit like a sort of a Cyberman or something from Doctor Who, didn't it, at one point? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we weren't clever. Conversation. No, we certainly weren't weren't that good at linking it through. (laughs) So that, well, after that amazing game, which Lucy actually 
guessed correctly, and I hope you did. A, um, I hope the listeners did at home as well, or wherever you're listening to the podcast. Um, so I really wanted to add this section um, about how we make mistakes and how we sometimes learn more from mistakes than, we, than when actually things go right. So we're calling this section Tremendous Fail. Tremendous Fail. Yeah, now you're getting the full joy of our wonderful <laughs> yeah. eye dance there. So Lucy, you touched on a little bit what your Tremendous Fail was. Would you like to let us know? Yeah, okay. So I was, I was having a think and I mean, it's actually taken me a really long time to be a published illustrator, like sort of between 15 to 20 <laughs> years, which is ages. So on the way as you can imagine there's quite been quite a lot of fails <laughs> I understand totally <laughs> okay. um so yeah I decided to choose which was one of my deepest regrets really which is yeah something I touched on earlier so I really used I loved creating comics and I did it all the time as a kid and, and it was the thing I really most wanted to do was become like a comic artist but when I left university there just wasn't space to do that because the, there weren't any indie publishers weren't many people putting um like indie comics certainly or graphic novels out mm. in the UK it was you had to kind of go to the US or you had to be in Japan so I just put it all behind me and I just stopped creating comics and I moved on and I sort of bumbled around doing lots of other different sort of graphic design illustration jobs and just didn't really come back to it um and so that's probably my deepest regret particularly because now it's so big here um there's been a real resurgence in it. There's lots of indie co- uh, comic producers and creators. And I think if I'd stuck at it, I, I, you know, I, I would have broken into it. So partly I wish I'd stuck to my guns. That's what I feel my tremendous fail is that I didn't, I gave up on it. And I let um, people tell me, don't bother to do it because there's no market right. for it. But actually, if I'd stuck at it, there would yeah. have been a market for it. And I could have created one almost because, you know, I would have been probably part of that movement, you know. Um, so that is I do regret not sticking to my guns but on the plus side it did force me to work in different ways and try out new ways of working which I probably wouldn't have if I just kind of constantly been creating comics I would have been stuck in a particular way of working so it did push me um, into working in a different way and it has led me um, eventually on a long path but it has led me to getting back into narrative-based illustrations so so yeah, it's, it's, I got over it, but yeah, that was definitely that's definitely my biggest regret. <laughs> but in a way, um, not doing something then quite often you don't realise how that's going to impact the work that you do later on, and that you can actually draw yeah. from that as well. And there's nothing to say that you know maybe definitely. maybe if you want you know there might be an opportunity to go back and do or like you said create your own comics or even talking about encouraging other children that maybe you know might not have got into doing illustration or drawing that might hear you talking about it and go like right that's that's what I'm going to get into now absolutely I think like determination is is key um and I think that 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 point I still had given up like following that dream um I mean it led me on to new things definitely but I think it, it it just shows what determination can do essentially if you stick at something things will happen I think that's illustration and writing I think determination is absolutely yeah I think you know that's interesting because lots of people that I've been talking to as well like sometimes we didn't start off doing the thing that we're known for now that you quite often start off doing something completely different and then it takes quite a while I think you know with the Tom Gates books I didn't start writing those until I was in my mid 40s I think I'm just looking over to Mark right okay 46 yeah (laughs) right (laughs) and I've done picture books beforehand and not you know some of my the picture books I did you know never even saw the inside of a shop (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know you do them and they'd be published and that would be about it so it it can take yeah, a while but yeah. you know even doing those picture books 
in the early days i'm thinking you know you're learning as well you're learning how to yeah put books it, together and it. yeah it is very easy just to think oh you know that's it i'm not going to do anymore but i know lots of authors yeah that it's taken a really long time to find your voice or to find out what you want to do Absolutely. Um, so, so well done. Hooray. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I got there eventually. Yeah. Yeah. It's a slow process, but um, yeah, it's one that I'm really glad I, I stuck yeah. at. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> I was going to ask you as well. One of the things that I realized that I didn't know about when I started doing children's publishing was how important like doing the events were and and talking and actually having yeah. to turn the book that you've done how do you talk to children about it how do you go and you know promote it really and basically get people in, yeah, interested absolutely. especially if you're an illustrator you know that's not necessarily what you set out to do is to do public speaking yeah, and, yeah exactly no. and you have to find <laughs> a way so how have you found that then <laughs> oh yeah that's definitely been a big learning curve I didn't that did not feature on my radar at all when I was setting out to do this. And I'm quite an introvert, I would say, really. I mean, maybe not so much anymore, but I think a lot of illustrators are introverts. Yeah, because that's why we um, illustrate. I remember going you know, to... We wanted to do the other stuff. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember going to like a, an agent... I, I won something a, a few years back um, with the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. And part of it was to have like a launch sort of party thing with <laughs> agents... Um, like an a- agent's party and the, all the illustrators are like in a corner of the room just like too scared to talk really? to anyone and I was one of them so yeah so it's been a big learning curve but the more I've done like the public speaking side and going into schools doing events like the better I've become and I mean it's just it's just so enjoyable as well the kids are amazing and it's actually become one of my favorite parts of the job it's so it's really is such a perfect yeah, Mark and I are both nodding furiously at that because that's exactly yeah. the same you know the very first time I did an event I can remember thinking, oh, I, have to, I better do some drawing, <laughs> better do some live drawing. You know, I wasn't used to drawing in front of everyone. And also that sort of horrible school thing, like going back into a classroom and, you know, brought back all those memories of having to read out loud in front of teachers. Yeah, and just, you know, sort of sweating and thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to be awful. Yeah. So the first time I picked up a pen, my hand was shaking so much that I had to put it back down again. <laughs> And oh, just, you know, no. so I'm, I'm totally with you, you know, but, and it's also become one of yeah. the things that I enjoy the most, like being able to talk yeah. to children about it and, you know, do something. It's wonderful, isn't it? What kind of questions do you get asked though? Have you got like a surprising question? Oh, just, yeah, really good ones. Like they, they really do come up with some really good questions. Like, like obviously you get the kind of the usuals and stuff, but like one of them asked, uh, what was the hardest thing you've had to overcome and how oh did gosh. you do it? <laughs> For, for both writing and illustrating, this kid was about nine. I was like, I was just like, Whoa. <laughs> I was like, I was like really put on the spot because I'd had like my standard answers ready, but that, that really took me. Do you remember what you um, said? That was a good one. And then um, I can't remember. It was probably about like just uh, like kind of keeping going at it, that that sort of thing, um, and just like trying to work through sort of blocks and stuff like that with writing um, rather than just kind of like. Oh, I'll just like sit on it for ages, but just kind of keep writing and keep going, working through it. Um, but then I also got asked another question by another kid was, um, are you popular? <laughs> which I think, which I think was like, are you, are you famous? <laughs> but I was just like, um, I'm not really. I always say, if kids say to you, are you famous? And I say, well, if you're having to ask me, then probably not. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit yeah, of an like not really. No, unless I've got a book <laughs> clamped to my face next next to you yeah. and you're going like look 
It's really funny, but yeah. yeah, They always ask really, really interesting questions. I got asked once in Holland by a kid who said, uh, I thought thought maybe something had been lost in translation, but I got asked, what's your (coughs) favourite landscape? And I was like, oh. (laughs) And then I I sort of thought, gosh, I better come up with a really interesting answer there. (laughs) I think I just said being by the sea or something, being by the beach. Yes, they were they were suitably and rightly totally unimpressed by <laughs> <laughs> That is quite a tricky like, question though. You isn't know, it? normally it's you know oh, I, I have been asked as well, like how old are you? Which is always a how oh, old no. are you? And I make the mistake of saying, Well, how old do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely don't say It ranged, that. Lucy, between thirty, which I was like, great, to um uh, uh I think it was eighty. <laughs> Goodness. Talk about making you feel like. I know, I was thinking though, okay, thanks a lot. Singling out that child for. (laughs) I'm not coming back here again. I know it's been a tough day, but you know, (laughs) I do my best. (laughs) Oh, I gotta love it. I gotta love it. Well, yeah, we've we've all we've all been in those situations. So, so, um, Lucy, I'm just wondering. I mean, you've touched on some of the the tips that you've you've given us already about you know like keeping you know keep keeping your sketches and things but I'm wondering do you have a tremendous yes, tip definitely. either for drawing or illustrating or something that you think uh, you'd like to pass on to everyone in our section we are calling tremendous tips yeah uh, my tip is to just draw often if you want to be an illustrator just draw as much as you can I mean if you love doing it you should you probably be drawing often anyway but I think there's like a, a sort of misconception that Drawing is talent, like it's, it's all from innate talent, but I don't really believe it is. It's craft, you hone it, and the more you draw, the better you get. As a kid, I wasn't particularly talented. I, I mean, I had a bit of talent, and I certainly wasn't the best in the class by any means. There were a lot of kids that were far better than me at drawing, naturally, um, but I just did it all the time, so I got better, and I think that is the best thing to do. Just draw regularly if you love it, just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, and you'll get better. So, don't worry if you feel like you've not got raw talent because I don't think like many illustrators start off with raw talent. It's just about carrying it's on. It's like a curiosity, isn't it? Like you just want to copy things yeah. and draw things. and it's, Yeah, exactly. And developing. And it not and, being yeah. frightened. I always say not, not being yeah. frightened of making mistakes yeah. as well because like kids get very worried about that. Absolutely. That's a really brilliant yeah. tip. That's really a really, do. really good tip. And also I'm interested as well about, I mentioned at the beginning about how you do mixed media and you're using watercolours and... Can you tell us a little bit about how yeah. you developed that style? Yeah, sure. So growing up, I was in the, it was in the eighties, so we didn't have like the computer tech to draw. Um, it just didn't exist. So I was always obviously using traditional media anyway, just you know pe- mostly colouring, um, like felt tips and things like that. Um, and then when I went to uni, I went in the late nineties, and Photoshop was just being like it, it was like the emerging app that everyone was sort of illustrators Mm. were using kind of thing. So we were really encouraged to use that. So I sort of started just using, uh, not Illustrator, but Photoshop predominantly from my work, Um, like drawing by hand, scanning the images in, and then just like going over the lines in Photoshop and filling in colour. And I actually did that with a mouse. Like I was drawing with a mouse and I ended up with like RS, like um, repetitive Yeah, because your hand's shaped like a claw, isn't it? I know some people still still use a mouse. Yeah. Really? Wow. My goodness. Yeah, I couldn't do that anymore. So I was doing more digital work, but I just really loved the process of painting. I really love painting. 
So I got back into doing watercolours, but I still felt like the digital side of it was really useful because obviously you can you can be a bit more freer because you don't so worry about making mistakes. Um, and obviously you can correct them if you're using exactly. Photoshop or something like that a lot easier. So I started scanning my watercolour paintings now and then enhance them digitally. And I generally use Procreate now. Um, so I draw on the tablet and then just go over the lines, enhance the colour, particularly because watercolours don't scan that well because they're sort of mm-hmm. transparent. And so when they get scanned, they tend to be quite faded. So I kind of go over the colours a lot as well. So so that's why I work like both traditionally and digitally. But my favourite part of the process is still the painting like with watercolours, definitely, and the drawing. I always draw everything. Like, I don't sketch on a on a tablet or Digitally, I always sketch by hand with a pencil because that's just how I enjoy yeah, working. Yeah, no, sometimes children are very keen to, to find out, like, you know, what pencils do you use, what pens. And, and I always just say, like, you know, just, you know, you just generally just try and use yeah. whatever you've got. Experiment, have a go yeah, at using absolutely. different, you know, different textures. Yeah, you don't need to spend a lot of money, I don't think. You know, you don't need fancy materials. You've got your hands, you just just draw and you've got your imagination and you just need paper and a pen, essentially, a pencil. And a pen Excellent and tip. It. We like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that also brings us to the section where I'm really keen to hear if you've got a tremendous book that you would like to recommend, Lucy. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, I have a book with me because I, I have it. I thought I'd bring it up yeah. uh, to show people. It's The Red Tree. Can we see it? The Red Tree by uh, Sean Tan. Um, it's a picture book. It's not from my childhood, but um, I mean, I think I read it probably about... Mm-hmm. Eight years ago or so, maybe not, maybe not quite that long ago. But I just, I just love it because it's, <clears throat> it really captures emotion so well. I've never seen anything like it. It's really different. Um, I just think the illustrations are amazing. They're quite, it's quite dark, I suppose, in places. But I think they just, the whole thing just really captures emotion well. It's very like sparsely written. There's not like a lot of um, prose. So there's not a lot of writing. But the words that are there are really powerful, and they kind of set off the illustrations really well. And um, yeah, and I just find it a really moving book, and it's and it's actually was a quite a big inspiration for for my own uh, picture book that I might talk about. Absolutely, in a so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, oh, so the I mean, yeah. <laughs> the idea that children's books or are are you know childish or the the simpler they are, sometimes the harder it is to do that. You know, we know like the more you take yeah. out or anything oh, like doing yeah. a book that that creates so much emotion as well is so difficult, and those illustrations are unbelievable yeah they're really they're just so new, unique and like it's just it's otherworldly I suppose it, it really sort of ca- yeah they're so imaginative and I've never seen anything else like it I that's an really absolutely it. brilliant one and so we're going to be putting um your choices of books up next to the podcast so if anybody hasn't seen that book and they want to go and have a look at it do because it really is it's a, a, a fantastic choice thanks for that Lucy and in yeah. this podcast as well you know, sometimes when you go and have interviews, it, you feel really difficult about trying to shoehorn into it, you know, the stuff that you're doing, the stuff that you want to talk about, but not here, because this is where we hand over to you for your shameless plug. Shameless plug. So what would you like to tell us about this? What are you up to? What, what are you, what's your new books? What are you excited about? What have you got coming up? Yeah. Or what have you done in the past? Everything. We can talk about everything. All of it, all of it. Right, well, uh, first I want to talk about my latest book, well, sort of latest book, (laughs) we can see it. It's called In Our Hands, and it's from Tate Publishing, and it was out on the 1st of September. So this is my debut 
book as an illustrator <sighs> author. So it's a, basically it's my first oh, like how exciting. publication, essentially. Um, yeah, so, I don't, so yeah, it's a picture book. Um, and um, yeah, it's all around colour and it's about a little girl who's <clears throat> helping to bring back colour to her world. Um, it's kind of like a fable, but yeah, so I'm, I'm really, really, I'm really pl- proud of it, actually. <laughs> really pleased with how it's turned out. So that is definitely Excellent. my big plug. Have you been, can I just ask you, have you been into a bookshop and moved the books around so that people can see? Have you done that yet? <laughs> not yet, but that is definitely going to happen you should get soon. your relatives. I'm going to go into Get all this family <laughs> to do it as well. Oh, yeah. Not that I do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've heard that all like all authors and illustrators do this. And if they say they them. don't, they're telling fibs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm sure. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to go to. I think Waterstones in Morpus later this month, and I'll be doing it Fabulous. when I get there. First thing I do. <laughs> um, and the other thing is that I was. I'm really excited about is yesterday my story, a short story I wrote, was published in the Faber Book of Bedtime Fabulous. Stories. I mentioned earlier on and it was illustrated by Sarah McIntyre so it's just really amazing to have my words illustrated by someone else it's just it's really cool and yeah that was a story I wrote I think it was in 2020 actually so it's really nice to see it out in the world now and my story in there is called Nightbearer so yeah excellent you're wondering it's quite a th- that's that's a really nice collection, isn't it? So it's just you with a lot of different other yeah. um, authors and it, Sarah's yeah. illustrated the whole thing amazing names and she? Yeah, really beautiful book, and there's just some really amazing authors that are part of it. And I just, yeah, it's just incredible to have my words alongside like Aww. so many like yeah, big authors <laughs> and stuff. It's like that's really cool. They're probably feeling exactly the same way about you, Lucy. Oh, I don't, yeah, I don't know about that, <laughs> but thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> um, and what I'm up to now, I have some possibly, hopefully, exciting things on the horizon that I'm not sure how much I can say too much about, but. Um, what is it? Might be working with the South Bank on something. Wow, South Bank that sounds Center, exciting. So that's really cool. Um, yeah, and hopefully I might have some work for like a German publisher and for like a non-fiction children's book. Um, but that's kind of all up in the air at the moment. Um, and I'm just also busy writing. I have a middle grade or like a, well, maybe like a lower middle grade, a chapter book on submission, like out for um, publisher uh consideration at the moment that's what happens so, isn't it fingers crossed I, think I don't know having lots of different yeah, projects well, on the go and if you if you've got sort of ideas and things that you know you're con- are you constantly kind of thinking of things and thinking about things that you could yeah so you've always got that bank of ideas it's, it's really hard to balance yeah, yeah. it's very hard to, yeah I mean, obviously you know this as an illustrator and an author I mean it's really I find it really hard to balance the time I feel like if I'm not writing, then I'm going to forget how to write. And then if I'm not illustrating, we're going to forget how to illustrate. And it's like, I don't, I don't have the time to do really do both at the same time. <laughs> and really. it's so it's like, I'm either doing one or the other. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> of course, very important. There is always that thing, isn't it? Where you, you're, you know, you're desperate to get a book and you're, you, with the deadlines and everything. And you think, oh, it's going to be great. You know, when this is finished. And then as soon as something finishes, then you think that you, your ideas will mm. run out and that you haven't, you haven't, you haven't got something yeah. else. It's like and this constant it. sort of slight panic. <laughs> Lucy, it's been absolute pleasure and a delight talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on oh. to share your tremendous oh, oh, thank no, you honestly, for having to me. share your tremendous tales. You've given us some absolutely brilliant advice. And you guessed <laughs> the sound, which I think has been a first. Yeah. So well done. <laughs> And we're, <laughs> Thank good you, luck yeah. with everything. Good luck with the the brand new books and all the other things that you've got 
going on. Um, and I said, you've been absolutely brilliant and we've really enjoyed talking to you. And I know it's going to you've been an absolute inspiration. People oh. listening will be, will love hearing your story. Thanks so, so much. Round of applause for Lucy. Oh, Hooray. Good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> enjoyed this podcast please do like and subscribe and I've been told that it really helps other people to find it and I would love as many children as possible to hear from these amazing creative people that I've talked to and to get inspired to pick up a pen a pencil get creative make up their own stories just like we've done so thanks very much for listening bye